everybody this is tony with the stranger things podcast and today we're talking about chapter six the monster so we're going to jump right into the episode so in this episode jonathan begins the episode looking for nancy in the woods and she's in the upside down via the tree now he then goes to you know see the uh the tree starting to close up and this is one of the first indications that something possibly uh paranormal something supernatural is uh going on and this is the this is the moment that they realize that okay this is supernatural this is more than what we uh we had anticipated as to what is actually going on they had some 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 glimmers of something um with Nancy's it, it, experience what what she'd possibly had already seen and we really jump into the uh the 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 episode from this moment forward now i i really love the uh the usage of um i wear my sunglasses at night uh playing while steve and his future past friends are are you know driving around trying to you know trying to find uh nancy looking for nancy when he stops by Nancy's house and sees uh sees her with uh with with Jonathan hugging uh hugging her and Steve you can see in his face that he is really really hurt at this point and he's like you know this isn't what i thought was possibly going on now we go over to uh Hopper and Joyce and they discuss uh, Will's disappearance, possibly in the Upside Down. Then we go back to uh, Nancy. Meanwhile, she is in the shower and has uh, some Nightmare on Elm Street flashbacks, possibly trying to piece things together while Jonathan uh, makes a bed on 
the floor, kind of like a uh, makeshift bed for himself. When he and Nancy both say that they don't really want to be alone. they So they both uh, lie in bed uh, and really... It's a really emotional moment, and they they really comfort each other. And you know, Nancy uh, invites Jonathan into uh, into her bed, not necessarily in in a sexual way, but just you know, kind of like a uh, a bonding moment, and you know, which they had at that moment. Now, Mike is uh, is meanwhile uh, meanwhile is down in the basement he's angry because uh uh Levin has gone away she she's run away because of the incident that happened at the uh at the junkyard and he's just throwing things kicking things and he's just really upset at how this all has played out now Hopper's at at a uh, phone booth with uh Joyce getting some uh possibly some vital information which returns uh turned out to be very vital uh later on and uh in the episode and in future episodes towards the closing of this season now jonathan uh he basically uh wakes up in nancy's bed and they talk about the the monster feeding on a deer pointing to you know will and barb's disappearance that that took place now, when they're talking about this particular, um, this the way the the monster feeds and goes after uh, its victim, uh, in or particular in particular individuals, it, it there are some really really uh, um, jaws like uh, references comparisons uh, between the two. So we see that this is a a, a constant within the series these parallels between between uh the nostalgic movies of the 80s steven spielberg uh and all these other great directors uh greatest of all times um that came about during this time now they talk about the uh they talk about the the monster feeding at night and make shark comparisons, like I said. Now, Mr. Clark is visited by one of Dr. Brenner's staff, in uh, quotes here. And she sits down and she talks to him and she's basically just trying to get some information on uh, where Eleven and the boys possibly are and what they're up to. And so she can feed this information back to uh, Dr. Brenner. Now, Dustin bikes to Mike's house and talks about the the incident. And he uh, he's trying to get him to go and apologize and to really get all of this uh, underway for them to go ahead and start healing what has happened from the junkyard incident between uh, Lucas, Mike and Eleven with Eleven now being uh, being gone temporarily. And then we get this uh this flashback that eleven uh that eleven has about her time with Dr. Brenner when when she awakens in the woods and she's you know obviously having this uh this dream flashback and then she awakens in the woods and she has this moment with the water and some uh some woodland wildlife and uh she briefly uses her 
her powers to scream over the uh, the lake or pond, and this is really telling where her her mental state is at at this point. Now the Willers have breakfast, and you know when they realize that Nancy is gone, she's no longer there, and they're wondering exactly where she is at at this very moment. So Mrs. Willer goes up and actually starts to to look for her, not realizing that Jonathan had spent the night uh, within their home, and. It, this is uh, really telling as, you know, they, they know a bit of what's going on, but there's all this stuff going on under their roof, which I, I don't fully, truly understand. But I guess if you're, you know, if you're a teen, if you're preteen, you can kind of hide these things from your parents because sometimes the parents, they think they know what's going on and in reality, they actually don't. So you have Eleven's hiding down in the basement. You have Jonathan is up in Nancy's room spending the night. Of course, Steve was upset about that whole uh, scene, not knowing exactly what's going on. And he will figure out a lot of this really quickly, uh, much later in episode seven, going into episode eight. Now, Mike and Dustin uh, head to Lucas's house and Lucas, uh, you know he's he's really angry at this point and he's like not really wanting to talk to them uh, uh specifically uh Mike and he really really just digs in his heels at at this point now eleven goes to the local grocery store to get uh eggles when she has a flashback with again Dr. Brenner at the lab where she's going down into the uh into the uh, deprivation tank, and she's having some really, uh, really hard uh, flashbacks and moments here, where she's really coming to the realization as to what was actually going on and how she was actually being used uh, by Dr. Brenner in the lab with all these experiments, and that she was just number 11. Now, Levin is leaving the grocery store when we get the um, we get the, uh, the the now classic uh, ego scene with her using her powers, leaving the store, smashing the uh, glass door, the windows with her uh, with her uh, powers, and the store uh, manager is coming after her, calling the police, and there's this just whole huge uh, incident after that point. Now, meanwhile, uh, Hopper and Joyce head to Terry Ives to talk and to talk about her, you know, her and and they briefly meet her sister, uh, but quickly uh, start to uh, start to realize that Terry is just comatose. She, you know, we also but during that same scene, we also learned that Elle's Eleven's name is possibly Jane. But we realized that, uh, we quickly realized that uh, Terry Ives, uh, uh, Levin's mother, possibly, is uh, completely comatose. And she's just completely out of it. She's not there whatsoever. And then we, didn't get, we then get a, a brief uh, 80s montage with uh, Lucas, Ramble style, gearing up to head to the gate with... Uh, with a bike in tow. This is, you know, a classic scene. I love this scene. This reminded me so much 
of my uh of myself as a as a uh as a kid around their age uh in the in the eighties and just just the way they play this whole scene out he's you know he's he's going on this great uh quest adventure and he's gearing up and he's figuring out some information you know just as, as an aside you know when I was sitting here and I was watching this episode and I was thinking about myself as a child growing up in the 80s around the same time and the you know the same age as these uh these kids I you know I sat back and I thought I was like you know what this is really so true to what uh to what was actually going on during this time because kids imagination was really running rampant and we as children we figured out that we were going to solve all these major problems issues and we just there was always something uh something really big around the corner and I just love the way they uh they display that with these child actors and way they and the way they were able to really convey that to us as an audience without necessarily hitting us over the head with it which sometimes nostalgic things can be uh a bit heavy-handed and they you know they didn't do that with this show and I love that but they really do pay attention to uh to the small details throughout the show now we uh we get the uh the ride uh that is really um the um the kids they ride close to the uh store that l you know obviously was at and we get a a pull back on the camera that maybe eleven looking at the boys throughout the bushes and uh, you know looking back on this it most likely was her because she she was able she was able to uh to figure out exactly where they were so this most likely was her now becky terry i's sister the one that hopper and joyce met uh when they first got to uh terry i's home explains that that terry was part of some college study uh to hopper and joyce um mk ultra a conspiracy that jane 11 was uh, was miscarried about 12, 12 years ago and that is something this is a major revelation that is uncovered now hopper and joyce then go into what would have been jane's room uh now and this basically this this revelation to us says that uh 11 was born with abilities and uh becky uh says as much within this particular uh, episode in this particular scene so 11 is possibly a a weapon fighting commies um, now this is really a really important scene and this is like like i said this is the uh, duffer brothers and the other producers of the show really laying some some uh really uh heavy breadcrumbs along the way for us because that this really feeds into the conspiracy of Dr. Brenner and the Russian ties, which we see later on in uh and definitely in season three, which we have uh Murray and we have uh um we have Robin joining the the uh the party here. Now Lucas is at the lab when his compass 
compass starts to to act up it starts to go crazy and he's trying to figure out uh exactly what at this moment is you know what this means and what's going on now we get Jonathan and Nancy who go to the uh to the bargain store shopping for monster killing weapons while Dolly Parton's the bargain store plays in the background and this is com- kind of you know a uh a, a callback to you know some other um some other soundtracks that would play throughout a a movie or television series during during the 80 and I just love this whole scene and just the way it was played out and the way the store owner of this bargain store looked at them when they brought up all of these you know items to to buy and he's like you know what are you why are you buying these things what is this you know just the look on his face was you know was just classic now and and awesome montage ensues gasoline uh bear trap lighter fluid etc you know monster monster hunting uh and this was just a laugh out loud moment uh for me i just love the way they they played up that these kids are getting you know and buying all of this stuff and you know the adults like okay you know totally totally classic 80s uh moment there where the adults are like yeah you know this is a little bit questionable but we're gonna go with it and that's exactly what the uh, store owner did at that point now steve passes uh passes by uh, nancy in the uh, town square yelling at nancy when she goes and checks out the theater uh marquee where nancy is slut shamed by uh, by Tommy and Carol and the others. And, you know, and Nancy and Jonathan head down an alley where Steve and the others are laughing at what they'd uh, just done on the marquee. And this is a really uh, upsetting scene for um, for uh, Nancy. And Nancy, she's so upset, she just slaps Steve and says, what is wrong with you? And he he's like, you know, dumbfounded. You know, as if, you know, now, now we learned that, that he didn't actually do, uh, this, it was actually Tommy that actually did it. And later on, after he got it, gotten his ass handed to him, he, uh, he said, you know, you shouldn't have done that. And, you know, this is, like I said, uh, this was one of the points where we start to see, uh, Steve's arc start to come into play and we see a change in him from this moment on it's it's really the start of something great for uh for Steve because he uh, initially he was just uh one of the uh one of the crew and we always saw that there was something just slightly different about him but there was something about this event that um this well I guess you know getting your ass handed to you like that in front of everyone um this really changed changed him but like i said we could always see something just a little bit more there but it just wasn't quite developed and maybe you know it was like this immaturity and of course this immaturity is is always there just slightly under the surface but you can tell that he's really just a a good person and he's definitely different than um tommy and carol and you really see this this change once he uh he speeds off from the uh 
from the scene from in front of the uh, drugstore. Now, uh, you know, during during this time, you know, we we see a lot of change, like I said, within him. But then we really see a a a ramping up of the villainy of um, of Tommy and Carol, ex- especially Tommy during the scene where he's like, you know, why do you even care? Or you know, you know this and that, and there's just so many things that are going on between between the uh, the three of them. Now, Jonathan and Steve uh, uh, finally have a showdown, you know, and like I said, you know, you know, uh, Jonathan basically kicks Steve's ass whilst accidentally uh, hitting one of the officers officers and then gets arrested. And, you know, and Steve and the others, they basically just run away and just leave him uh, there to take the complete fall by himself. Now, Harper and Joyce uh, leave Terry Ives frustrated, and they talk about how long uh, Jane's been missing. Hopper then says something about having a, a you know, a, a chance, absolutely referencing his now-deceased daughter, Sarah. Now, Harper and Joyce head to the, uh, to the station, to the uh, police station, to pick up Jonathan Byers, and there's a whole lot going on there. Now there was a great conversation um between uh between Hopper uh between the receptionist and 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 Nancy and you know, this is really really a good scene. I you know personally I think that we should have seen more of 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 the receptionist. Um we really haven't seen her since season 1, which is uh sad to say, but it it really is uh something that i think we we can really appreciate when we get an actress uh of of her caliber um and I, i'm trying to remember there's something else that i've seen her in i i don't know but um i'm going to definitely be looking into that because she was really really great because every scene that she was in she really stole the uh she stole the scene and you know whether it was her taking a donut out of Hopper's mouth and and feeding him an apple or taking out the cigarette and giving him something else, it was just uh, it was really really great to uh, to see her dynamic the dynamic between her and and Jim. Now Eleven is is now in the woods eating eggs when she hears the uh, the boys. Mike and Dustin calling her when they run across the bullies. Now, this is one of the biggest and best scenes, I would say, of the uh, of the series thus far. Now, 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 Lucas, meanwhile, is on the other side of the woods by the lab when he sees the the lab workers heading out to find Eleven they're they're gearing up they're getting into the uh, the vans and they obviously know exactly where she is and this information i would assume has uh has come from uh mr clark uh talking to uh the the woman from from state that works for dr brenner now mike and dustin are caught by the bullies after running for quite a while uh when Mike is told to jump off the cliff after they've caught him and Dustin has a knife held to his 
uh, to his mouth getting ready to get some free dental care uh, by Troy the bully and even and the other bully at this point he's like I don't know if we really should be should be doing this now this is a really good uh, really good good scene now you know Mike is about to jump off the cliff now if we remember, uh, Chief Hopper, you know, was having a conversation early with one of the uh, with one of the deputies, saying that a jump like that would kill someone. This would have definitely have been a uh, a tragic thing because he most definitely would have died. Uh, Mike would have died after jumping off this cliff, and he proceeds to uh, to do so. Now, meanwhile, Mike jumps. Now, Eleven actually saves Mike at this very moment because we just, there's just this two or three seconds where Mike has jumped off the cliff and the boys look and there's just this silence, this complete silence on the screen during this moment. And it's like, is Will or is, uh, is Mike dead during this moment? And Troy and the bullies and uh, Dustin and all of them they they run to the edge of the cliff where we see that Mike is not dead. Now, Eleven, like I said, she comes and saves Mike and she pushes one of the bullies down. But because she obviously had heard what was going on, we would assume that. But Mike is alive. He's in midair. And you have this moment where Eleven breaks Troy's arm. This is really, really, I mean, this is a, a really intense uh, scene. Now, Eleven pulls Mike up from midair through the air and brings him up back onto the solid ground on the edge of the cliff. As the boys, all three of them, Troy, uh, the other bully, and um, and Dustin, look on in awe. And, you know, Dustin, he has one of the funniest lines thus far of the series. You know, she's our friend, and she's crazy. That is a classic, <laughs> classic line from the series, which I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed. Now, Eleven has a, uh, a flashback in that very moment back to the uh, in-between or the void of the Demogorgon and the lab. And there's a lot within that scene that's, uh, that's uncovered. And we'll talk about that in a little bit uh, in another episode a little bit later. Now, Eleven can, uh, can actually confuses that, that she, ac she confesses that she accidentally... Uh, opened the upside down down via Dr. Brenner. And she was sorry that she did that and she did she you know she didn't mean to do that at that very moment. Now the boys in eleven head back to the house when we see uh lab workers returning um and and really watching watching them and heading their way which leads to the greatest moment or one of the greatest moments in the series thus far. And this was an episode that I really thought was pivotal for 
the the show moving forward uh four episode four definitely the midway point and it sparked off a lot of things everything starting to come together they're having these uh these conversations and i really uh, really enjoyed the uh camaraderie between all of the uh the boys the party even 11 now being uh firmly established as one of as one of the uh the party and this has really, really changed uh, changed things moving forward because now Troy has seen something. Uh, a lot is being revealed, and it's being revealed rather quickly. So, you know, like I said, this uh, this episode ends on a bit of a cliffhanger, no pun intended. And as we see uh, the boys uh, riding their riding their bikes and then briefly we get this scene with uh with lucas and this is all coming to a head to the uh to the big scene like i said coming in uh episode seven the uh the as i say the reverse et scene and you'll know what i'm talking about when we get to it i'm pretty sure everyone at this point knows the scene that i'm talking about but i really want to jump into that uh to that into the next um to the next installment of uh stranger things podcast i'm sorry this episode was uh, a little bit later than i had, uh, that i planned it to come out um and episodes seven and eight the final two seasons for this season uh are coming out the very next day that this drops which will be um uh on uh march 20th which the next episode, uh, which is a four-hour episode, nearly four-hour episode. So this is why it, it took me a little bit longer f- to get these out because I wanted to, you know, to have these fully all, you know, coming out together. So I'm sorry this took probably about four or five days longer than I wanted it to. And of course, I had some uh, technical difficulties. <laughs> um, I'm, you know, in the process of switching. Uh, podcasting platforms so we get some some uh some clarity in in the quality of sound quality um like i said doesn't matter what i'm doing on my end but i'm changing up some things but you know the the sound quality will be far better moving forward once we uh once we get into uh into season uh season two so i've got a lot going on but i i've i've got crystal mccrory uh my uh, co-host, he's uh, back to do ep- episodes uh, seven and eight, and like I said, we really do a lot of that. And I've got some side commentary. Um, that's why the episode, uh, the episodes seven and eight are so long. We're, you know, lumping all that together. So it'll be something that we really, you know, I think you really, really will enjoy. Um, I had a little bit, like I said, within with seven and eight. Um, on my side, there was a little bit of a sound, uh, and I don't know if it had to do with the Wi-Fi, but like I said, this platform, I'm getting ready to, uh, to change the, uh, the, uh, the platform. But anyway, with all that being said, um, um, the clarity for, on Crystal side was crystal clear, <laughs> no pun intended again, but, uh, on my side, it was a little bit more, uh, mobile, so I'm so- sorry about the, uh, sound quality, um, on my side, but you can still hear the conversation pretty well and there's not too much breakage, but there's a little bit of things going on. So I 
apologize for that completely. But definitely, uh, we will have those episodes uh, out to you. Uh, as And as at the time of this recording, it should be out the very next day. So this episode will be out today, which is... Um, which is March the 20th. And then we'll jump right into episode uh, episodes 1 and 2 starting this Friday. Well, I'll see you guys on the next episode of the Stranger Things Podcast. Thanks, Egon.
They're professionals. Oh, I'm the chairman of the largest paranormal removal company in America. You see it? They're all that stands between you and the end of the world. The city is headed for a disaster of biblical proportion. Real wrath of God type stuff. Fire and brimstone coming down from the sky. Human sacrifice, dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria. Your girlfriend lives in the corner penthouse of Spook Central. Is this a trick question? Starring Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Sigourney Weaver, Harold Ramis, Rick Moranis. Coming to save the world. Ghostbusters. We came, we saw, we kicked it. A martial arts champion in search of the glow. Master, I need more time. I am no longer your master. A rock and roll star on the rise. I know what it's like to lose precious things. A madman. Shogun of Harlem. Yeah! A maniac. Are you going to put my video on your show, or aren't you? The answer is no. <laughs> and the glamour, the power, and the sound of Motown. I don't want you to kill anybody. Are you out of your mind? Green, I'm looking for a little pop thinks he's a kung fu master. I am no master. He sure look like a master to me. This is Barry Gordy's The Last Dragon. It's about the power of the glow. Barry Gordy's The Last Dragon, directed by Michael Schultz, a Motown Productions picture from TriStar.